0: Hey, my name is Shannon Lee, Executive Director of Relay, and you're listening to The Slapcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Slapcast. This is episode one. I'm Shannon Lee, Executive Director of Relay, and I'm really glad you're here. The Slapcast is a podcast of Relay. It's all about leaders from all kinds of places, from different industries, backgrounds, histories. We're all committed, though, to living out the values of servant leadership. Not perfectly, but living them out as best we can, but without taking ourselves too seriously. Now, you may be asking about that Slap and Slapcast. I'll tell you now, in break it down a little bit more later, but it stands for service, love, action, passion. More on that in a little bit. If you want to connect with us daily, you can do that on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All those handles are at Relay Leadership. That's R-E-L-A Leadership. I encourage you to share this podcast if you hear something you like, and you can always reach out to us uh, if you have a question or a comment via email. That's info at RelayLeadership.org. We'd love to hear from you. So let's go ahead and get started. All right, here we go. We are starting a podcast. I can't even believe it. I'm sitting here with my friend and producer, Jonathan Flores. And he's helping us get this off the ground. You know, I really thought doing a podcast was going to be super hard. And actually, it's been one of the most fun things I've prepared for so far this year. I've been so stoked to do this. So I'm really excited. Um, I'm going to actually be chatting with the audience for the first couple of episodes. And then we'll start introducing some guests beginning with the third episode. So today, I thought it might be good to unpack Relay a little bit and the slap of Slapcast. Unpack that word is so overused do pe- people say that unpack that for me um, i mean what 's a better word distill i don 't know expound unload no that 's how you you get rid of your worries i don 't know but anyway that's what we're going to do. Then in the second episode, I'm going to set the stage for our theme for March and April, which is this idea of caring leadership, or how do we get caring and love back into leadership? In many ways, that's what servant leadership is all about to us. So we're going to address it head on. For this first one, I think what I'll do is share a little bit about myself and how servant leadership became such a big part of my life and my leadership journey. Because whenever I meet new folks out in the community, it's actually the first thing I get asked every single time. They say, so tell me, Shannon, how did you get here? I mean, how did you end up leading Relay? And I don't, I'm always taken aback that people are interested in hearing that kind of stuff about me I, I've just because I really want to hear from them. So uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And then we're going to get back to that slap in Slapcast. A lot of people have been asking me about this. They've been curious. So I'm excited to share it. I don't want to build it up too far. It's not like it's that earth shattering. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, so my history, um, my formal training, if you will, is in education. I started out as a teacher, accidentally ended up as an uh, elementary school principal. And when I say accidentally, I was actually asked to fill in for a principal who decided to retire. And it was supposed to be temporary, and I ended up doing it for five years. Five long years. No, it was a great experience. There was a lot of pain, but a lot of growth. I was very young. I was only 28 years old. Can you imagine being 28 years old? All of you listening, the thousands of you listening right now. (laughs) Imagine being 28 years old, you supervise 30 people. And you have responsibility for 400 little children, plus a preschool, plus a daycare. No pressure. So uh, it was difficult, needless to say. But it was this experience when I first realized that what I enjoyed most was not working with little children. (laughs) It was working with adults. Now, yes, I still worked with the kids, but what I loved most about that job was helping the teachers grow personally and professionally. They had never had personal professional development plans. And so I started doing some research and trying to figure out, you know, what do these things look like? And so I started creating these for them. And I had so much fun. I met with each of the teachers um, three times a year. So in the beginning, we set their goals We checked in on them in the middle of the year and then again at the end of the year. And they had to formulate both personal and professional goals. And it was up to them what kind of the personal goals they wanted to share with me. You know, if they didn't want to disclose something, they didn't have to. But that's where I learned that I really loved working with adults and helping adults grow and develop. So... Servant leadership, from concept to living it out, I've had a lot of difficulties with that. First of all, servant leadership, when it embraces a mindset, really causes you to look within and evaluate yourself first and foremost, because what happens when you do that is you find stuff you don't like. And in these early uh, leadership experiences that I had, I made tons of mistakes because I didn't yet know or understand how to look within and really evaluate Who am I? How do I want to show up? I didn't see a correlation between my results or lack thereof as a leader and who I was fundamentally on the inside. I I just didn't see that as a correlation. And part of that was just my age. I think we all grow and develop. just We get more aware, more self-aware as we are chronologically age, although... I've met quite a few people that are about self-aware as this uh, Hydro Flask right here. No offense to anybody. You know who you are. Um, Just kidding. But then once you become more aware, you have to develop the courage necessary to admit the fears that you have to then uncover the blind spots And then address them so that you can start showing up the way that you want to show up so that you can stop making some of the more avoidable mistakes. Now, I'm not saying being a leader means you show up perfectly. Heck no. But there are a lot of mistakes I made early on in leadership because I simply didn't know how to servant lead. Servant leadership is hard. Traditional leadership for me seemed a lot easier. Why? Traditional leadership is sort of this, and I'm not going to break it down completely, but... Traditional leadership focuses on things like task first. You get this stuff done, whatever it takes. So the task come first, not the person. Why is that easier? Well, <laughs> I don't have to deal with you as a person, right? You are a dynamic, changing, evolving person. And if I just deal with you on, on the level of get this done, then I don't have to deal with your personality, right? That's completely rooted in my inability to deal with discomfort. I didn't know that then. So I've worked with a few coaches over the years, and what those coaches have done, these are like executive coaches or personal development coaches, and what that experience did was it gave me the awareness, first of all, of those mistakes that I was making. The fears and the, the inappropriate mindsets that were creating those behaviors that I was not aware of beforehand. And then they showed me sort of a pathway on how to change that thinking, because in order for me to act differently, I had to be different. So one question I plan to ask most of our guests before I continue on is, where is servant leadership the hardest for you to live out? Is it at work, at home, the community, and why? And the answer to this question for me is multi-layered. It starts with... Just a really basic understanding of what servant leadership is, right? Because we need to compare apples to apples. If I'm talking about servant leadership and you're talking about servant leadership, we might have different definitions. And actually, if you just do a very quick Google search of servant leadership, you're going to find lots of thought leaders on the topic and several different definitions. So, we worked on a definition ourselves here at Relay, and we actually published this in our curriculum. It's on our website. But we define it as a style in which the leader balances the interests of others and self while relentlessly pursuing a win for all stakeholders. These leaders seek to enrich lives, build better organizations, and care for one another. Now, think about that for a second. That's a pretty tall order. Now, more specifically, in our own four-step model, we talk about servant leadership very specifically. First, we say it's connecting meaningfully with others. This requires you know, a lot of vulnerability. It also requires drawing appropriate boundaries. It requires scheduling time. You know, so there's a mindset and there's an action to this. Number two, aligning with others, or or, I'm sorry, aligning others to a higher purpose. Well, there's a lot that goes to that. What is the higher purpose of the organization? The higher purpose of the organization cannot just be making money, right? The majority of people are not going to be galvanized around a cause of making more money. Do we want to make money? Yeah. Is there anything wrong with that? No. But can we do it in a way that's more conscious than that? Can we do it in a way that also keeps people in mind and doesn't sacrifice people in the name of money. And so we have to figure out what is the higher purpose of our organization that we can pull people around this almost higher cause, this higher purpose of our organization. And then how do we align people to that and then realign and realign and realign? It's not a one and done. Three, we need to be able to release them to do their work. Part of our work, right? This is the delegation piece. And then getting out of their way so that they can get it done and then holding them accountable for it. And then finally, creating an encouraging environment for everybody. This isn't just about saying attaboy, thank you, and having gratitude, but actually fostering a culture that is encouraging both when you do a good job, but also encouraging people to take risks, to take calculated risks, to make mistakes. So these are really simple ideas, but they're very difficult to live out. So from there, I think the hardest place to live this out in general is when there's conflict or disagreement, obviously, but that's when this stuff matters the most. It's the moments when my servant leader values are tested and that yeah, but thought comes into my head. For example, connecting meaningfully with someone I don't like at work. At the front end of learning this concept of connecting meaningfully, if I just say connecting meaningfully with others, most people go, well, yeah. That's a good idea, right? No one immediately says, well, we shouldn't do that, right? Because that just makes you a horrible person. But I'm not saying you're a horrible person. I'm saying that I could see someone having that thought. Don't laugh at me, Jonathan. So, So most of us on the service would not just disagree with connecting meaningfully with others. But here's the thing. What happens when we encounter someone who it's like, you've heard the saying, they're like oil and water. We don't get along with them, right? That's when my value of connecting meaningfully with others is challenging. I don't want to connect meaningfully with Gary in accounting, who's a jerk. right? I don't want to do that. Or Susan. I don't want to be sexist. And so we have to be more conscious about how we connect with people, doing it in a way that's purposeful, letting them know that we care not necessarily because we like them the most, but because it's good for us and it's good for them and it's good for the organization. So what about encouraging someone, even though they have poor performance? Now, I'm not saying encouraging the poor performance. I'm not saying, hey, you totally suck at your job at a boy or at a lady, because I've heard recently you're not supposed to say at a girl. Like, girl's the thing you're not supposed to say to women now. So... Um, Nothing wrong with that. I just didn't know it. Someone told me in a training. I was like, I'm sorry. I didn't know that. It was totally innocent. Anyway, so squirrel, big squirrel there. Um, So how can we, when someone's not performing well, how do we use the tools of encouragement to pull them back on the right track, right? Or it could be more internal, like refusing to jump to conclusions about other people And instead, intentionally looking at another person's observable behaviors versus judging them and assigning a conclusion about their behavior. Like, that's a really insidious thing that we do. We see someone behaving a certain way, and so we say, oh, well, they're being passive-aggressive, or they're being condescending, or they're being this, or they're being that. We make this conclusion based on their behavior. And you know what? We could be right but more often than not, other people are showing up the way that they're showing up for completely different reasons. But here's the thing. When I make a judgment about another person, about their behavior, when I draw a conclusion, it automatically changes the way I treat them. It changes the way I show up to them. So instead, what we do as servant leaders is we respond to people in alignment with our values, regardless of how the other people act. So that's more of like an internal battle that I think can become really difficult as a servant leader because it's this commitment to treat people in situations in alignment with these servant leadership values, regardless of what they do. We don't adopt this eye for an eye mentality that, well, it, you know, this tit for tat where, well, they're acting like a jerk, so therefore I'm going to respond this way. No, a servant leader doesn't do that. A servant leader says, no, this is the way I treat people, hard stop. That's it. The other area of struggle for me was just expanding this new mindset of true service to everyone in my life, including myself. Now, that might sound weird. It might actually sound almost too self serving, but I'll be real honest with you. Sometimes I treat myself worse than I treat my own, than I would treat an enemy. Now, I don't really feel like I have any enemies, but if I did, the way I talk to myself, the amount of time I give to, you know, educating myself, to strategizing for the organization, uh, to play, to rest, all of those kinds of things. If I treated other people the way I treat myself sometimes, I would have no friends. I would have no employees. I would have no volunteers. We would have no donors. (laughs) I mean, if you really think about it, that servant leadership is also how do I servant lead myself? So, All of these things I started to really think about. And as I started working at, um, as I left my job uh, at the school, I had a lot of pain because I felt like a failure. I felt like I didn't lead well. And and a lot of it, again, was my age. I then went into the business community, um, the the private sector, and began to work for a, a large company here in town. Worked there for over seven years. Ended up in like this middle management sales position. And uh, that really ignited something in me around sales, not the smarmy sales thing. What I loved about sales, was well, it was an opportunity to solve a problem for somebody, to genuinely find out what do they need, what pain are they experiencing, and how can our product potentially come to the rescue? And so I loved that part of the sales process. I didn't know... That, thankfully, the sales training we received there was very, very good, and it was very customer-centric, and it was very service-oriented, even though they didn't use that term. But I was actually learning a sales mindset that was rooted in what I would today call servant leadership. I just didn't know it then. And so that became like another kind of data point or a piece to the puzzle of my professional life. Fast forward seven years after that, um, I got an opportunity to join the staff of Relay as the associate director. And this organization was going through a huge transition. They were leaving a national organization. They were getting established in the state of Ohio, beca- you know, rebranding to this thing called Relay and really trying to figure out what do we want to be when we grow up. We knew that as a core function, I guess you'll say, of the organization is we served um, and do serve leadership In the community. And we did that mainly through events, but we started thinking when I say we, I'm referring to like staff and board at this point. Um, We started really thinking strategically and really kind of criticizing our own organization saying, are we really helping leaders grow by just having events every year? And sure. People can come to an event and hear some earth-shattering statement and walk away changed. I absolutely believe that can happen for people. I don't believe that's how the majority of people transform. The word transform implies process, right? You know, what happens with a butterfly, right? It's not not a, a caterpillar one day and then the next day a butterfly. This takes time. And so are we doing what we should be doing to help people transform? And without going into all the details, that's pretty much how we landed on being a professional development organization and one that is rooted in servant leadership. And so we began working with professionals in 2015 through a program that we run called NextGen. And in the NextGen program, we knew that we wanted to help them develop as servant leaders, and to grow in emotional intelligence. These two things were completely informed by the experience that I just tried to explain to you of me realizing how ill prepared I was for leadership, how unaware I was of how I was showing up. Then I engaged with these coaches. I learned how to be more aware. I learned a methodology for changing. And it was all rooted really in self-awareness, emotional intelligence, all that good stuff. And so I wanted to be able to create a program that gave that away to others. And so we launched that in 2015 with a group of 17 participants. And the first two years, the number one piece of criticism we received back from that group was, we love what we're learning. We love especially learning about servant leadership, but we wish it was more accessible. So the training we gave them up until that point for those first two years was largely academic. In other words, we taught them about servant leadership. We actually weren't doing a good job of showing participants how to be servant leaders, if that makes sense. And so we realized we needed a better way to do that. And what we landed on was the need for a model. So first we did some research and we found that there are a few models out there, but many of them were pretty complicated. And so we decided we're just going to have to create one. And so we started working on one and we created this one called Care to Lead. And this is not a commercial for Care to Lead. I'm just trying to kind of bring everybody up to speed. We started using Cared Lead within this training program of NextGen, but then a couple years after that, we then began to use it as a standalone program and it's become the foundational training program of our organization. It helps leaders really figure out what does it look like to be a servant leader? So we talk about the what, but we also show them how do I fundamentally change who I am so that I can become that leader that I'm a, a you know, achieving towards? like, How can I actually get there? Because I see how I'm showing up now and I don't like it, but I don't know how to change the way I think automatically in order to get there. And so that's why we created that program. So Care to Lead really has a lot of self-awareness, best practices, along with servant leadership, as well as what we call a model within the model. The model within the model is a methodology for changing Uh, the way we behave by changing our thoughts. And we basically go through a process of identifying uh, the things that we believe that aren't true. We thought they were true, but they're not. We challenge those beliefs, and then we choose something new to believe. And the choices that we make around what we want to believe, we find the choices that will give us the results that we're after. So we kind of reverse engineer what was happening kind of automatic in our minds without us being aware. We become aware of our thoughts, and then we start choosing different ones. So... That is where we landed in 2017. In 2018, we then branched out and said, we've got to offer more than just this mindset. We've got to help servant leaders. Once they get this mindset, we need to give them now servant leadership based competencies around leadership. So then we partnered with Ken Blanchard companies and we started offering some Ken Blanchard products like management essentials and coaching essentials. And so just the demand has grown and the, and employers, individuals, teams have come to us and said, we want to grow with servant leaders, but we need to learn how to be like, we have 15 managers who don't actually know how to manage, right? They're managing people like they manage processes and, and that's not working for us. And so that's what kind of gave birth to the whole Cam Blanchard partnership. And so today, the way we talk about what we do, is that we serve individuals, teams and organizations by providing best in class servant leadership training and development programs. We still have some of those events that we had years ago. We've still held on to those. But now those are sort of the icing on the cake. They're not they're not the cupcake, they're just the the icing. The icing is the best part actually. Well, it depends. Some icing I don't like so much. I don't like so much. If it's if it's cream cheese, I'm all over that, but the the butter fr- the buttercream frosting from the grocery store no it 's it 's disgusting again, squirrel so all right, so at last year, so this culminates to two thousand and eighteen last year 's board retreat, we took a look at our values as we do every year. This is something we do standard every year. We review our five year plan, our ten year dream our action plan for the upcoming year. And then we review our vision, mission, values, our guiding principles. And in the values discussion, we realized we had too many. We had like 15. Just think about that. How easy or difficult is it to live out 15 values? Um, It's impossible, Okay, It's not easy. And so we realized this is kind of ridiculous. So we got a bunch of post-its together, and we began to categorize them. Some of them we deleted because we realized they were kind of redundant. And what we came up with was they all kind of fit into one of four categories, right? And those four categories were service, action, passion, and love. And that, that's the order they were written on this huge like, whiteboard in the room. And we were getting ready to take a break, and I was gonna, I was exiting the room to go get another cup of coffee. And I jokingly said, as I walked out of the room, I said, if you rearrange those letters, you get the word slap. And I excused myself and went and got a cup of coffee. By the time I came back in the room, the board said, we're gonna call it's gonna be our values are slap. When we, Hire a new employee. We're going to slap them with servant leadership, is what they were saying. Now, obviously, not literally. Okay, so nobody think we're not abusing people. Um, and then someone said because we had talked about doing a podcast, they said, "Oh my gosh, we should call this the Slapcast." And now you know the rest of the story. That is how it happened. I told you you weren't going to be that blown away. So, I want to break down here in the last few minutes that we have our guiding values of service, love, action, passion. So, service. We look for the win-win in every situation and believe it can be found. Now, some people struggle with this because they think what we're saying is everybody gets a trophy. Win-win isn't about enabling poor behavior or someone else's emotional environment. It's about training our brain to react with concern and care first when conflict arises versus labeling and accusing and coming to conclusions. We actively look for ways to resolve issues in a way that creates the biggest win for the most people in any given situation, knowing that it's not always possible to give everybody what they want. So, think about this: if if you have children, or if you've ever worked with kids, right? Or you understand how work kids function. Okay, kids want pizza and candy and junk all day long, right? Okay, maybe not every kid. My kids did, and so. Giving your children what they need is what's best for them. That is a win for them, right? Just because they want to eat sugar all day doesn't mean you're going to give them sugar all day, right? Because that's not, is what's best for them. The win-win is about what's best for everybody. It's not necessarily what everybody wants, okay? That's service, love. We make decisions from a pace, place of love and compassion, not fear. Why? Fear limits our choices. Love is limitless. Now, here's what I mean. This is just an example. When we withhold something that we know to be true, like we don't say something that needs to be said, or we don't act in our own best interest because maybe we're afraid someone will or won't do something, right? Well, if I say that, then they're going to think this, or if I don't do that, then they're going to do this. We are basing our decision in fear. We're basically saying, I'm afraid if I do this, or I'm afraid if I don't do this, then that will happen. And so we withhold something to try to control a situation. Love says, I'm going to do what's best for all. I'm not going to white-knuckle the results because I trust that things work out when I act from a place of care and love. And I'm not responsible for how someone else reacts to that. I don't have to worry about your reaction when I'm coming at it from a place of care and concern, because if I know my motivations are in the right place, that's all I need to worry about. That's love. Action. We take responsibility for our assigned roles and leverage them to benefit the mission and others. This is all about recognizing our part in the equation. Where does our responsibility start and stop? in any given situation, and then we make choices accordingly. It's also about not taking action when something is absolutely none of our business. I, I, I tell the, this to folks in trainings all the time. I think one of the biggest mistakes we make as leaders is we white knuckle the things we can't control and we get our emotions and in, in mind uh, you know, thinking all wrapped up in all the things we can't control that we miss all the things we can control that we can't take action over. We miss what's in our lane because we're so busy about working, worrying about what's not in our lane. We've got we've to flip that script. Action. And then passion. We foster learning and excitement for living out servant leadership principles in our daily affairs. This is our commitment to continual learning. It's our commitment to helping others learn. It's an admission that we still have a lot of work to do, a lot to work on, and that's okay. But that we will pursue these things with passion because we believe they're good for us, they're good for others, and they're good for the world. So that's us. That's the slap in Slapcast. Now, next time in episode two, I'm going to dive into leadership as love or or caring leadership would be another way to put it and what we mean by that, why it's important. So don't forget to share this podcast as well as like and follow us on social media. Again, it's at Leadership. I hope you will subscribe to this podcast. You will find us on Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. And again, feel free to contact us at info at Thanks so much for listening in today. Until next time.